Welcome to the Monday edition of Transformation Radio. My name's Josh Graham. I'm 35 years old. I've lived a little bit everywhere. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, though. Been addicted to about every drug you can think of. Pretty much homeless and on my way into even a darker hole before my sister had, uh, found out about the refuge. Since I've been at the refuge, things are going great. I haven't been this happy, I haven't laughed this much, there hasn't been a smile on my face like this sober, and I can't remember when. At least probably 15 years. Growing closer to God, I had turned my back on Him when I was out there on the streets, and I'm seeing that He's still forgiving me, and I know He has something great in store for me. And as we read in John chapter 6 today, we'll see the disciples will face three tests because of the great crowds that followed Jesus. The first was feeding the multitude. That was the first test. Philip thought the answer was money, but Andrew saw the answer in a lad with a lunch. The second test was leaving the multitude. This incident occurred at the high point of our Lord's popularity. The disciples, especially Judas, would have welcomed a kingdom. So Jesus sent them away into a storm, and Jesus came to them and met their needs. People want the Lord to meet their physical needs, but not their spiritual needs. Just as you take food into your body, so you take Christ into your life, and He becomes one with you. The disciples had opportunity to follow the crowd, but they remained with Jesus. Now, let's begin today's reading from the New Testament. May 11th, the New Testament. John chapter 6, verses 43 through 71. But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. As it is written in the Scriptures, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from God, have seen Him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. 
Many of his disciples said, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe, and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would later betray him. Today we're reading Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43. How easy it is to take God's mercy for granted. Here are four pictures of God's mercy toward sinners and how they respond. And we'll see as we read here in Psalm 107. They're travelers. Being lost in the wilderness without food or drink would be a frightful experience. God not only saved them, but led them to safety, the safety of the city. Did they take time to thank Him? Now the prisoners, they were in prison because they had rebelled against God's will, so they deserved to suffer. But when they cried out to God, He heard them and set them free. Did they take time to thank Him? And then we'll see in verses 17 through 22, we'll look at the sufferers. They had, quote, made their own bed, end quote, and should lie in it. But God mercifully healed them. Did they take time to show their appreciation? And then it talks about sailors. Dangers on the water usually exceed dangers on the land, for where can you go for help in the midst of a violent storm? You can only look up, which is exactly what they did, and the Lord rescued them. And then finally we'll look at the farmers. Only God can send the rain that turns the wilderness into a garden. We eat and are full. But do we take the time to thank the Lord for giving us food? Be wise and understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble. And He rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for His great love and for the wonderful things He has done for them. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. 
That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food. And they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens, and plunged again to the depths, the sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and were at their wits' end. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor, let them praise the Lord for His great love, and for the wonderful things He has done for them. Let them exalt Him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts, and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands, because of the wickedness of those who live there. But He also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them! They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble, and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Proverbs 15 Verses 1 through 3. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good.
Here's today's In Touch Devotion. Today's scripture reading is verses 17 and 18 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When something's on our mind, we're wise to consult scripture or trusted spiritual mentors. God has also given His followers the privilege of prayer, and He wants us to bring our concerns directly to Him. But we often have questions about the power and effectiveness of prayer. Will God's plans fail if I don't pray? God is not subservient to us or dependent upon our prayers. The time we invest in speaking with Him involves us in the work He's doing in our lives and in the world, but He will carry on with or without us. Laboring alongside the Lord is a blessing. Does my prayer, or lack thereof, impact God's work? Scripture indicates the answer to this question is both yes and no, depending on the situation. There are times when God's purpose is set. He has determined the best course. In the Old Testament, He often revealed what He would do and then brought those events to pass. In other cases, we do not have because we do not ask, as we read in James 4, verse 2. There are some good things that God holds back until we extend prayerful hands to receive them. But He is a loving Father who also pours out blessings that we wouldn't even think to request. Believers' prayers have tremendous impact, particularly on their own faith and life. What an awesome privilege it is to kneel before the all-powerful Heavenly Father and know that He listens and will respond. God loves being good to His children and answering their prayers.
I try to hold on to this world with everything I have, but I feel the weight of what it brings and the hurt that tries to grab. The many trials that seem to never end. His word declares this truth that we will enter in this rest with wonders anew. But I hold on to this hope in the promise that He brings. There will be a place where no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be. Jesus face to face, but until that day, we'll hold on to you always. I know the journey seems so long. You're walking on your own, but there has never been a step where you've walked down all alone. Troubled soul, don't lose your heart, 'cause joy and peace He brings, and the beauty that's in store outweighs the hurt of life's sting. But I hold on to this hope and the promise that He brings. Place with no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face, but I'm.
Amy Lee Van, who's an HR director from Troy, Ohio, said, John, on Minute with Maxwell, could you talk about the word complacent? I sure can. I think complacent, again, is an attitude. I think when we become satisfied with who we are and where we are and what we're doing and we just basically say this and no more, I think it's not because we don't have potential to grow and develop and expand. I think it's because we chose to stop expanding. Now, what happens when we become complacent? I can tell you exactly what happens. That's the day we start to die. We really do. Now, it may not affect us physically for a while, but I know this. People who have no goals, no far horizons to strive for, nothing to get up in the morning and, and do something that is of significance and value to themselves or others, people that become complacent, they first die inwardly. This is the worst kind of death. The worst kind of cancer is not one that eats the body. The worst kind of cancer is complacency, where a person basically says, I'm done. You and I know people, don't we? Do we not know people? They're already dead. They just haven't made it official yet. Complacency will do that to you.
that does it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.